Welcome to SBL Perspectives, the pulse of school business. And the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. Wow, that never gets tired. That rings so good and true, John, I tell you. <laughs> if you like <laughs> it, we're I about like to it. Have, <laughs> we're about to have so much fun. Uh, so our list is out there. I'll let John go through who we have on, our special guest. Yeah, today we wanted to focus on the job market, interviewing, being interviewed, and just really looking for qualified candidates in your business office or just really anywhere you're hiring. So today we brought on an expert, uh, a returning guest of the podcast, uh, Carrie Austin. She is the Chief School Financial Officer and Director of Finance at the Mountain Brook Schools in Birmingham, Alabama. Carrie was actually on the podcast with us when we were live with the Editorial Advisory Committee. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we having spoken to her there and getting a little bit more of her background and just talking about the challenges that she's facing right now in her position, we thought it was a great idea to bring her on and talk about interviewing and finding candidates, uh, you know, across the board. So... Uh, she gives us a lot of insider knowledge and some really good tips on what it means to be uh, a good interviewer and equally an interviewee. So uh, we're excited to bring in this conversation today. So here's our chat with Carrie Austin. Today on the podcast, we have Carrie Austin. Carrie is a Chief School Financial Officer and Director of Finance at the Mountain Brook Schools located in Birmingham, Alabama. Carrie, welcome back on the podcast. Glad to have you back again. Thank you. Carrie, Thank you for having me. So good to see you again. Oh my gosh. We had such a great time, didn't we? We <laughs> oh did. The EAC. The yep. EAC. Wow. And we're so glad to have you on because you are number one rock star, aka superstar. I mean, listen, when I saw the latest SBA, the first thing it said was Carrie Austin. I you said, wait a second, I, I know this person. And, and, and that's the second <laughs> thing I said, Jonathan. I said, we got to get her on too. We're going to get her own solo. So we're so glad you came on. So now, um, you know, and kicking off, if you haven't heard, I know you've been on, but if you haven't heard our pretty much the way we do things is start off right so our listeners to get a sense of really who you are. So um, if you don't mind just taking that quick minute or so, just, you know, tell us a little bit about your, you know, your background, your experiences at SPL. Okay. Um, well, I've been around school business in some capacity for probably about 15 years. At first, I was an auditor and audited school districts and other governmental agencies. And okay. then about 12 years ago, moved into actually working for a school system. First, I worked for a really large district in our state, um, a county school system with about 56 schools. And then now mm. I work for Mountain Brook Schools, which is a smaller city system. We have six schools. Okay. And I, and I always wonder too. We've we've had other people on the podcast that have a similar background, going from the auditing field into the into education. What has been like the biggest, or what was the biggest change or biggest eye opener for you, going from being an auditor to then being audited? I guess. I think the things that we focused on as auditors were some of the more insignificant or the, they're not insignificant, but they're the things that are easier to get right. So when you're talking about numbers and how to categorize things and reporting things correctly, that's really, to me, the easiest part of the job because it's very black and white, very accountant um, type stuff. It's more managing people and you know, that kind of stuff that's the mm -hmm. soft, softer skills um, right. that is, is more difficult. So I think I wasn't expecting as much in the leadership and management type categories um, as, as I have fallen into. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a great segue because that's really part of the reason why we wanted to bring you on today was really that mm-hmm. HR piece and retention and staffing. So, uh, you know, reading through the article in the SBA and just uh, having known you for a short while and, and speaking with you, um, you know, we, we all have our staffing challenges. We all have retention issues and really f- having issues finding qualified candidates. So, um, you know, you had some resignations recently and I guess we're just wondering in your experience, what is the job market like right now in your area? And why do you think or don't think there may be certain opportunities out there for potential candidates? Uh, really, the job market in our area right now is kind of tough. Um, when you're talking about employers looking for good candidates, um, pretty much everyone who's qualified and capable of doing the work have have a job that they're normally pretty happy with. So when we're looking to fill, like I have a position that's recently opened up in our business office, when we're looking to fill that position, we have to get a little bit more creative and um, it's not as easy as just posting the job and having hundreds of applicants anymore. Um, that At least in our area, that's what we're seeing. And are you seeing career changers? I, I mean, I, I've seen a little bit of that where you're not just pulling from the same pool all the time anymore. You're seeing people maybe in like a marketing or an advertising job, maybe jump over to public education or something like that. Are you seeing something similar? Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of that. Um, more from like the banking industry um, and other financial service industries where they're kind of dipping their toe in uh, K-12 education and looking to get into the business side of that. Um, I haven't seen as many in our school system just because we don't have a lot of turnover in the finance and business area, um, which I'm super thankful for. That's good. (laughs) You know, I could tell from that email too, Carrie, when we first um, had reached back out and, and he's like, you know, you're having a, a resignation coming up and it, it sounded like what you're saying now and just through the email that it's not an easy job market. But um, just, I guess, being curious here, um, in your past experience, though, like what have you learned? Um, because it sounds like you, right now you may have a different type of skill set for candidates coming in, right? folks coming or trying to come from the finance sector if they are available and you being creative in in trying to find them. But have you learned, um, I guess, to source a little bit better, number one, um, and then how to interview these candidates? Because I I would imagine, I wouldn't think that you could say, Hey, you know, how many times have you, you know, um, bounced a general ledger, uh, for school district or, or done, you know, like, our, our code of accounting is different, right? So, um, you know, let me just get to the question, I guess you would say, right? Um, when you're doing the first, second, third round, um, what are you looking for? And are, are there any restrictions um, to to what you're doing in these situations? Well, we, uh, we're, we're not really restricted by anything as far as laws or guidelines go. Uh, the only restriction we have is whatever that job opening is, there's listed qualifications. So sometimes the qualifications um, would include a two-year degree or a four-year degree or a certain number of years of experience. But other than that, in particular positions, we're not bound by any restrictions. Um, We have an applicant system or an application process in the state of Alabama. And I don't think all school systems use it, but a lot of the ones in our state do. It was designed for teachers, but it's basically a way that you go in and fill out one application and then you can apply to any job openings that are in the state. So if it's a person who's currently 
in a school, in a K-12 system in Alabama, they're going to be really familiar with that software. And as jobs are posted, they really just log in and click apply. And it's as easy as that. Uh, for people who are outside of education, you have to be a little bit more creative. And so um, we've sometimes used like social media postings and, and things like that. And really just word of mouth, talking to people that you trust and telling them that you have a position open if they know of somebody that would be a good candidate, even if it's outside of anything they've ever done. I think finding people who have the aptitude to do the job and have certain characteristics that make them hard workers or critical thinkers, those are really, I can teach them about what the general ledger codes are and, and that kind of stuff. We need people with the certain characteristics that we can teach that information to. So I'm not always looking for the person who knows it all already. Um, I would certainly love to get people like that because it's a lot of less. But sometimes you can you can hire people that uh, maybe did things differently in another school mm -hmm. system, and it's it's almost harder to untrain those bad habits than it is to just start with a person who's never experienced True. life in a school district and teach them how we do things. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, you bring up some great points. And, you know, earlier you had said trying to get more creative. And I think that's part of it, too, is changing the expectation in terms of the candidate and looking more for somebody who is a learner and who, who can pick things up quickly, not somebody who has the chops and has been doing it for forever, right. the exact job that you're looking for. I mean, I know in my experience, I, I hired a position in my business office uh, about a year ago. And we were having a really hard time filling this position. And long story short, we ended up hiring uh, this girl from a car dealership because she did a little bit of accounting there, but we knew that she had the requisite skills to learn um, mm -hmm. our ledger, our book of accounts and how we do things in the school district. And, I, and I'm happy to say it's, it's paid off uh, yeah. greatly and she's doing a fantastic job, but you know, we're, we're not immune to the job market either here on the East coast. Uh, mm -hmm. We've had to get a little bit more creative and just look for people who are willing to kind of learn and to kind of adapt to our system. But and I think, too, you also said you, they don't come with those bad habits because I've also right. I've been a part of it where <laughs> some people have been in the business office. I've done it this year, this way for 10, 15 years, and it's tough to kind of break those habits if yeah, they don't fit into your school district. Yeah. But um, at great points. But at any rate, so let's talk more about the actual interviewing process. Um, you know, we've all been through interviews, we've interviewed other people, and we know nerves can creep up, but there's a big delineation between, I guess, nerves and being nervous and just being flat out un unprepared. So you as an interviewer looking to hire somebody for your business office, what kind of qualities are you looking for? And can you kind of read through that nervousness and dis disseminate between somebody being nervous and somebody just flat out not knowing, you know, or being prepared for the job? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I can, um, but I'm sure that every person who interviews potential candidates thinks that they can read people really well. Um, yeah. I feel like I do a good job of being very real up front. I try to be personable and warm and genuine and just hope that they can feel that coming from me so that that's how they respond. I always start out with telling them a little bit about what the job would entail, you know, the basics, like this is the um, the type of work you would be doing. These are the pros and the cons. Um, for instance, like the payroll world for us, and I'm sure it's the same for y'all, it can be really repetitive and simple in a, on a month-to-month -month basis. But when you encounter difficult things like changes in your retirement program or 
um, just anything related to insure, anything that's a change becomes a really big deal. So talking to them about the pros and the cons of the position, and then I just tell them, hey, this is, I know you may not be this type of person, but in an interview, this is your opportunity to toot your own horn, to tell me as much as you want to about yourself, and don't hold back, because other than what I can read on this paper, what we're going to make our decision based on is this interview, and the uh, we give a screening test after the interview. So um, I feel like I can, I feel like I try to put them at ease to begin with, and so typically I don't feel like I've seen a whole lot of people that are just so nervous, you know, that that it doesn't, their true personality doesn't come through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we don't, I don't dive too deep on the personal side. I normally just say, uh, once I go over what the job entails, I'll tell, um, I'll ask them to tell me about themselves and be specific about your experience in finance and accounting. That's my number one question we always ask. And I think most people start off with personal type um, answers, like, They'll say, I'm married, or I have children, or I grew up in this area. And so you can learn a lot about people from that um, without actually asking the question of them. And Mm -hmm. then um, the person that I actually have call and set up interviews, I typically select the applicants or me and a team of of people will select an applicant. And so then I give her their information to call or email, however she's going to reach out. And um, she's done it several times for me now. And so I normally can talk to her and get a sense of how that person responded on the phone. Did they ask a lot of questions? Did they respond timely? Were they professional? You know, those kind of things. I can kind of also learn a little bit from how that experience went with my staff member. And this may be, I think this is a, a question that a lot of business officials ask themselves when they're interviewing candidates. And I'm just wondering for you, this, I guess this is specific to Carrie Austin and, and Mountain Brook schools. Like what, what makes a good fit in your business office? Like what is your culture? What are you looking for to add to your staff that will, that will just gel and, and do a nice job? Um, gosh, that's a really big question. Um, hmm. I think being a critical thinker and a problem solver is one of the top couple of traits that I would be looking for because I don't know if you guys run into the same scenario, but a lot of times in our office, I wind up being the person who has to think through, and I don't mind being the decision maker. That comes with the title, I guess. But just I would love for people to come to me with, here's the problem. Here's some things I've thought through and kind of considered. I'd like for you to make the decision now instead of just, here's the problem. And um, so I I love it when people can talk to me about their previous experience, even if it's not in a school system. And they can say, because some of our questions say, tell us about a time when you were, and we give them a scenario, and they can tell us in a previous employer or previous life experience where they were a problem solver and how they handled it. I think that's really important. I would probably say that's one of my top ones. And um, people just being able to be honest about where they're at, you know, not trying to fluff up answers that to questions that we ask and just being transparent. And you, you can normally tell if people are willing to say, um, hum, they'll, they'll make like little humble comments, such as tell us about a time when you did this. And they'll say, well, this was not my best moment. Or, you know, I think there's a, there's a good balance of looking for somebody who's humble enough to learn and grow. And they realize that they don't know everything, but also being confident enough to say what they are good at and and what they can bring to the table. So yeah, bringing some, some humility and, and solutions, not problems, right? Yes. Yeah. That's interesting, Carrie. Uh, you know, one of the things I did want to ask you was about really 
looking at the other side. You know, we just kind of surmised what you're looking for as you go through the interview process. But let's say uh, for those listening out here, um, potentially interviewing themselves, you know, maybe if you could provide, I'd say maybe a handful or three or five best practices, right? If they're interviewing for an office role, you know, um, and and why you think maybe some of the, the things you would recommend would be good. Like, let's say, for instance, eye contact, you know, to maybe come off more genuine or authentic or maybe body language or other intangibles like dress and such in their energy. But, but yeah, what would you, I guess, recommend for folks out there interviewing on the other side? So, you know, the eye contact, body language, all that I think is um, definitely important things. Mm-hmm. I think some of the basics have fallen by the wayside these days, like showing up on time, Oh, that's true. Um, you know, <laughs> right. we, we've had several people who have uh. just canceled. Like when you schedule a whole day of interviews, because you've got to, you know, build the time for the interview, then you need a little bit of a break to summarize with you and the team who interviewed and then move to the next person. When somebody cancels, it just leaves this giant hole in your in your day that you can't those really. Those are millennials. Those are those Gen Zs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like they took a spot from somebody else who could have been a good candidate. Correct. Yeah, they did. Um, right. So right. That, yeah. that's like a surefire way to get you, you know, removed from my, li- yeah, from my list at least. I don't know if that's right. Um Maybe we've had people who've said they don't, I think they're kind of nervous about the screening test, which we put a lot of emphasis on, or I I put a lot of emphasis on. Um, So if people don't want to stay for that, that's kind of a big deal to us. And it's a- And everybody does that screening test. Yes, everybody does it. Okay, that's good. And so we we do things like um, a mock bank reconciliation. Um, We Mm. do some payroll prorations, some simple, you know, like if you had a teacher who decided to leave mid-year- how would you prorate their salary for the remainder of the year? You know, mm-hmm. some very basic stuff. And I like those because you can normally look at those tests and get an idea of not only if, if they were able to complete it perfectly, then it's an easy answer. But mm-hmm. if they weren't able to really get the true, correct answer, you can most of the time look at their work and figure out where they were, where they got off. You know, oh, you just missed this one number or you picked up the wrong beginning balance or, you know, you can normally kind of follow their train of thought. And that's really important because if somebody is doing all the right things, even if they didn't get to the correct answer, I still think that shows that somebody we can use and work with. I agree. Yeah, I Um, agree with that. So I I guess that's most of mine. That's sound. Thanks for the advice. And I, and I think that goes back to the, the critical thinking skills that you're looking for for your office, right? I mean, they may not arrive at the exact answer you're looking for, but if they show their work and you can see that, oh, I see how yeah. they're processing it, they're on the right, they're on the right path, that, but we just need to like course correct a little bit, then that could be oh. a viable candidate for you. So yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. I have a 14-year-old that does not like to show his work on any map. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, come on. This. And I tell him every time show I your work. work, I'm like, man, this could cost you a job one day. And he doesn't yeah, think you, that's true. And I'm like, no, it would, it would keep harping, Carrie. Keep, keep harping on him. <laughs> yeah, Carrie, you tell him. You said you listen to your mom on a podcast now and yeah. how important yeah. showing your work is. So <laughs> I think sure. I'll take it seriously now. <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe. Who knows? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was roll his eyes. Who knows? But yeah, um, probably. <laughs> So getting to know the candidate is really important. And you 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 touched on this briefly a little a little while ago, but what are some of those ancillary questions that you ask a potential candidate just to kind of round them out as a as a person and if, you know, finding out they're gonna be a good fit for for your office? And when when think considering those questions, are there any certain questions you really want to stay away from? Is there anything dictated by your state's labor law? Like what are like the no fly zone kind of questions too? 
Yeah, we don't ask um, personal questions. Uh, I don't think it's really as much dictated by state law as it is just I mean, um, federal law. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we mm-hmm. don't say, um, are you married or, or you, you know, in the South, yeah. it would be, where do you attend church? Uh, or something like that. Right. So we don't ask anything like that. <laughs> that first question, I give them the opportunity. We, we ask lots of open-ended questions, no yes or no questions. And I'm sure that's very exactly. common in the industry, in interviews in general. Uh, mm-hmm. But that first question about tell us about yourself and be specific about your work history, they normally will really open up. And, I, and I'll say this is not gender specific, but like moms for sure, and women, I think, are predominantly what we see in our field, um, at least in my business office, um, it's largely women. Um, that's something moms are really proud of, to talk about their kids and their family and the and, and work history. People, you know, they're really proud of how far they've come when they're interviewing for a job like this. So I find that that first question really just kind of opens up things. And then if they say something or mention something that especially they didn't include on their resume, I'll dig a little bit deeper on that. Like if they mention a place that they worked that's not listed on the resume, I'll ask a follow-up question about that just because they brought it up. Um, but yeah, that's that's the extent of really the personal questions that we would ask. Are there any answers that stick out in your mind that, you know, when you're interviewing history, like, oh my gosh, this is like a crazy answer or something I never thought I'd ever hear at an interview table? Um, one person, um, when we interviewed her, and I asked about her, you know, that first question, tell us about yourself. Um, she said, well, when I graduated high school in 1974, I, and she starts, she <laughs> named every job, and it was a lot that she's had between when she graduated high school and now. Ooh. And I wanted to say, let's just skip to, like, the 2000s, you know. Last <laughs> <laughs> decade is, is good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. right. We only need 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she was really proud of that, and there was something that yeah. she had to say about each one of those. So that was one of the mm. funnier ones. Um, okay. And then I did have an interview one time. It's been years and years ago with a gentleman. Uh, we were interviewing for an AP manager position. So it would like oversee four or five staff members, okay. but they would be responsible for posting accounts payable each week and, and doing everything. And so we asked, what's your weakness or name a time when you didn't do something correctly? And he said, well, sometimes I forget to post to the general ledger. And I thought, really? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, what you well, gone with. You Honestly, That's I guess this is the best policy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That one's always stuck out in my mind. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, I've, I've been through one. hundreds Hundreds of interviews. I just love hearing those war stories. <laughs> yeah. It's too funny. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. So, Carrie, I want to jump back on you on the interviewee side again. Uh, pretend like I'm the person flying. And so, you know, um, so yeah, you know, like uh, as as a candidate going in, um, what do you believe are I guess some of the prudent or smart questions that I could ask you? So, you know, you kind of gave me some tips about you know how I present myself and obviously preparation, but you know. I feel sometimes it's difficult to get um, my skill set across, um, you know, or, or how can people do so without being overbearing, right? So, you know, is there any way you think that you could offer some advice um, as, really, as it relates to that? Oh, I think for our district especially, I feel like doing that research ahead of time and knowing what makes our district unique and special and you don't have to know all the statistics about the number of students and the dollars in our budget and stuff, but just 
having taken a little bit of time to learn a little bit about our community is really important to me. Um, I think at the end of interviews, I really do like it when candidates are asking me a question and I don't want to be grilled or anything, but um, I've had a couple of recent interviews in the past few years where they've said things like, um, can you tell me about this position and the person who is holding the position now or the person that's leaving that I would be replacing, or is this a new position? And I'd never thought to ask that question in an interview before. And I thought that was a really thoughtful question because being able to say, well, we had to let this person go or this person retired or this is a new position, that really, it it tells a lot for that candidate, I guess, to know what they're walking into. So I think that's a good one. And then recently I did get, tell me why you think this is a great place to work. And that it almost flipped the script on me a little bit and made me think about what I was going to tell them as far as what I enjoy about working at Mountain Brook School. So I think those were a couple of really good questions. And I, and I do like it when people follow up with a thank you letter or just thank you for your time today. It doesn't have to be anything imposing or please let me know what you think about my interview or anything. Just uh, taking the time to say thank you, I think is is really good. Yeah, it just has a lot of class and character too. And it, right. that hopefully they're invested in wanting to work for you. Even if they're not the successful candidate, it's good to know that there Mm -hmm. are people out there that are willing to kind of go the extra mile and just thank you as a potential employer for your time. I think that speaks volumes to to the whole interview process. So I'd agree with you. But on the flip side, uh, what should a candidate absolutely not do during an interview? What are things that totally turn you off to the whole interviewing process? And they're just things that you would never recommend a candidate kind of either say or do or, you know, any of the above? Um, Definitely the be late, be on time when you're going to come for things like that, dressing appropriately. Um, And I think that's hard sometimes knowing the culture of an office and um, that setting, What am I going to be overdressed or underdressed? I kind of feel like in an interview, you can never be overdressed enough. Um, And I, I really don't like it when people talk bad about their current or previous employers. Uh, Sometimes there's reasons why those people are leaving that employer. So I think that's important to consider, but just that's not the time or the place for them to talk about why they're leaving or, you know, unless they're asked. But um, I think sometimes people bring that up more often than they realize. Uh, And when you're looking at questions and you look at, oh, we asked them 15 questions and 10 of them, they talked about something negative about their current employer that it sends a message, I guess. Yeah, and I I would agree. And I think, too, it goes back to just kind of having that class of being an interviewee. Um, You know, I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why somebody would be looking for alternate employment. But I think you can kind of approach it in a sense, even if you maybe are unsatisfied or disgruntled with your current employer, there's a way to kind of couch that and frame it into a positive and looking to a new experience, not necessarily just bashing the employer you're working for now. Because if you think about it, that could be you moving forward in the next job. I mean, you got to consider those kind of things. And do you want to hire somebody who is so, you know, ready to kind of speak disparagingly about the, your employer. So yeah, Yeah. a lot of interesting points, things to consider. So um, as we always do on the podcast, winding down here, uh, we give all of our guests an opportunity to impart advice. Now, Carrie, you've imparted a lot of advice throughout just the nature of this conversation. But if you were sitting across from, a brand new business official who is three days into the job or somebody who's been in the seat their entire career, what kind of advice can you impart today on our listeners? 
Oh, this is hard. You should have prepared me with this question. I have so much much advice I want to give. Well, Kara, I I thought you were an avid listener and you just knew that was like the format, you know? (laughs) I'm a little disappointed. Honestly, maybe I turn it off before this question because I'm trying to think about her. I mean, maybe I'm like, okay, the interview's over. I'm done. Um, right, I'm, right. Bad about that. I'm bad about that in general with podcasts. Just saying. Hey, Kara, um, I'm not taking it personal. We all have things to do. I appreciate your, uh, <laughs> subs- you know, subscribing and support though. <laughs> I think my, so to somebody who wants to be a school business official or somebody who is currently one, um, I think just keeping, it's really easy to get down in the weeds. That's really where I'm most comfortable is living in all that detail. And they spent mm-hmm. this money on something they shouldn't have. And, you know, all that mess my old auditor um, coming out right, in me. Right. I think it's <laughs> of really course. easy to fall in those um, down in the weeds. So just constantly reminding yourself the impact that you're helping school districts make on students and how important that is in the grand scheme of life and in those students' mm-hmm. lives. I think I'm constantly needing to remind myself of that. So it's an important job, not saying that other people's jobs aren't important, but it makes me feel better knowing that what I'm doing has a purpose and it's serving a greater good. So I guess just kind of keeping that in the back of your mind can help on the bad yeah. days. Yeah, the perspective Sounds is really good. important yeah. and really well said. So Carrie, Thank you so much for your time Thank today. You, it's been an absolute yes. pleasure speaking with you. And I'm glad it's we were able fun. to get you on solo. Go roll tie, uh, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Carrie, take care. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you all. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you again for tuning into SPO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Carrie. A lot of good tips, a lot of good information that she, she gave great. us. And I always love hearing those like individual like war stories. Yeah, you love that whole story, people. right? Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, you never know what people one. are going to say. You never know. Yeah, it's great. You know, and we got a chance also, you know, we should say this, that going to Alabama, right? I mean, just to see how they do things down there um, in the South. Again, we've been in the South in the past, but you can see that they have some challenges, you know, similar to what we face up here with the job market, but um, they've been creative down there. It sounds like they're doing a good job. Uh, so, and, and, yeah, and you so can't great. ask uh, what seamless. church you go to, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't. It's, it's going to be huge. It could be a huge fight right away, right? You never know right, where right, you're right. going out there. So, um, but, but it was so interesting. I, I always love these episodes where we learn about somewhere else and how they do things and so hopefully let's just glean on that as well as some best practices which is great it's a double it's like two birds in one stone kind of episode here which is great yeah yeah so So we we learned a lot today we hope everyone did too and uh, we'll catch you next week